Welcome and join me today on the Hi Hello Sura Show, where I decode and deconstruct the stories, secrets, and skills of the creators of our time. If you are looking to challenge the status quo and get new perspectives, join me as I share with you practical advice that you can use to impact your life and help those around you today. Hey there, and welcome to the Hi Hello Sura Show. I'm your host, Sura Al-Naimi. Today on the show, we have Peterson Guerriere, multidisciplinary artist and co-founder of Red Tape Studios. Peterson is best known for his work with the concept of duality. Whether through his painting or his photography, he's always expertly portraying the juxtaposition between different extremes. His work has been installed in Planet Hollywood, Las Vegas, featured in Boutique Design Magazine. He is shown in galleries across the country, including the Manalo Museum of America Art, Aqua Miami Art Basel, Snap Orlando, City Art, the Grand Bohemian Gallery, Redefined Gallery, Ex-Contemporary Gallery of Art Basel, Miami, just to name a few. And I know right now he's being commissioned to exhibit all around the world. Peterson currently lives and works in Orlando, Florida. And this podcast is really special because it is actually in person, real life, real human being. So I'm, I'm really excited to be able to have a chance to spend some time with Peterson. And you'll see in our conversation that we explore all aspects of creation and creativity habit and projects and philosophies on who to work with, how to maintain your energy, how to make sure that you're not going to be stuck on a project. Our conversation, you'll see we leap right in and it flows into all different directions. So I would really urge you, if you don't have one already, to make a nice, brew a nice coffee, a nice cup of tea, sit down, relax, or get ready for a nice walk and listen to this conversation. The way that we kicked off this podcast was just, it just began without any introduction and we, we launched right in. We're gonna go over to that conversation right now. So join us. I don't actually know how to pronounce your last name. I want to, I want to say it like the cheese, but I want to hear only your, is it like Gruyere? No, not, not quite. Oh, it's Guerrier Roser. Oh, Derriere, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. It you know, makes it easier to be with us. Yeah. I just love cheese, so that's why I just called it. Uh, yeah, sorry. Well, I, I, was it. I had a, a friend of mine, she was like, well, the best way to remember is Perrier, and I'm like, that's not that. But Derriere is because it's like, like your posterior. Right, exactly. It's a bit naughty, so it's nice, isn't it? I, 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 it's a bit better. Like, people yes. always, those are the first words people learn. Exactly. Yeah, listen. Garia Daria, you can't forget that. I will never forget that. Oh, well, you can say it the French way, but oh yeah. Garia. Yeah. Do you have a French right there? I do. Yeah. Oh, we'll get it to that. Yeah, 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 look. Oh. I don't speak it very well. I understand it, but not, yeah. <laughs> I, the only time, more like Haitian background. So my mom, the only time I actually speak Creole for the most part is with my mom. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. She's probably did because she understands my broken down and just how she I... She puts it together for you. Yeah. Yeah, she's, I understand. Because I've had people come in here like, oh, you Asian? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, and they start speaking. I'm like, dude, don't. No. It's the same with me and being right. Arabic. Right. 
people are suddenly like, do you understand it though? I understand the law, but I also know how to say a little. Right. So my response, they're like, oh, you speak Arabic. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. And then I'll go, Ishwaya, please, a little. <laughs> and then they stop. <laughs> she don't know. <laughs> but I know if someone's being rude. Right. I know the critical thing. See, that's probably the, the good thing about it, right? Because you just go in places and people assume that you don't know something or you're something else. Just, oh. Yeah. When I went to Morocco, they couldn't yeah. figure me out. Right. So they were like, is she Arabic? Is she this? So they tried all the languages. Right. And I just was like, don't. <laughs> I'm going to let you talk. And uh, if you say something rude, then I'm just going to turn around and say something. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Especially with, with, with French. I think we went to... We were in Miami and we went to an event and it was a French restaurant. So we were just sitting at, like, that was a couple of years ago. All of our friends were just sitting at the table. And the young lady that was serving us, she was rude. Well, she was rude. Right. She started speaking French and she said something. She and I just turned around and I looked at her. I'm like, just so you know, we understand everything that you're saying right now. She's like, yeah, you don't just assume that people. Right. Like most people just. Yeah, and also you never know when you're going to meet somebody again. And then when I first moved to Orlando, I worked at the courthouse. And um, every day for for a while, I was going to lunch. And we always take the the main elevator and I'll go to lunch. And then there's this young lady that always in the elevator with me. Then we started talking about like shoes and all this other stuff. Because one day she looked at my feet. She was like, I like your shoes. I'm like, cool. So we just, every day. Around the same time, 12.30, we meet at the elevator. Like we go downstairs, <laughs> we talk, and we just grab coffee and whatever. But never ask, like, what are you doing? Right. Type of thing. And then one day, it was a Friday, and I got an email that I had to bring a file to one of the judges. I'm like, cool. So I grab my, my file, I'm walking up, and as I'm going down the, um, the hallway, she's walking towards me with a robe on. Oh, my goodness. And my judge just dropped my mic. So you were a judge? She was like, yeah, no. Oh. <laughs> like, I'm really the youngest judge is here. That's amazing. And she's like, but most people don't think that I am because I use the front elevator versus the, the back elevator right. and so on and so forth. And she's like, you'd be surprised how many people get in the elevator, get, like, you know, especially get guys trying to get on, trying to be right. whatever. And then they walk into my courtroom. And you know, saying that you never know who you come across, so you have to be in your best behavior. But I don't think people nowadays actually take, you know, heed to that. But it is still a truth, right? Like right. It's, it's still it's a truth that right. existed since the beginning of time. Right. So, I mean, it's just common courtesy, if anything. But like, most things that are common sense, right. people don't execute on, which is why there are books and not right. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the most com- common sense of the natural stuff, now we have to re-educate people. I think so. I think so. That's yeah. So we're sitting here. It's absolutely gorgeous. Well, thanks. Where are we? For the listeners and the viewers, where, uh, where, where are we? Where are we? Do you remember Dungeons and Dragons? Where it was like the early VR. Right. And they're like, I'm in a room and there's a table and a candlestick. Where are we? I did an NPR and he actually described it. And I'm like, all right, cool. You described this space better than Oh, wow. Okay. For those that can't red tape, see. Where red tape? tape. Well, red tape, well, I know. Mm-hmm. That's our, our studio. I said our studio because we have multiple artists here. It's the studio. It's the uh, first working studio in the downtown Orlando area. Artist studio. A multidisciplinary studio. Yeah. I keep saying studio. I feel that time. on the World Wide Web. Right. It's yes. multidisciplinary. And I like, we, we don't just do one thing. No. But mostly we do a lot of commercial work in here. Mm-hmm. So we work with a lot of interior designers and architecture firms and purchasing agents. They come to us. They sometimes have ideas and sometimes they don't. And we create 
we make it happen for them. You do? Yeah. Yeah, you make it reality. We make it, too. yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that uh, comic strip recently, which was like the vision, and then it was like the budget? Right. <laughs> yeah. So what, so, you talk, so you're a co-founder, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. Actually, Red Team Portland started probably five to six years ago, I think. It was one of those fake it till you make it type of deal. Right. So I was, we, Chris and I, we met working at the- Yeah, studio. I feel like he's there, yeah. Yeah, we worked at an art consulting firm and we were both studio artists with him. But I don't know, I, I think I got bored with working there and as well as the, just doing some of the gallery stuff and it, I, I wanted a challenge. I don't know how the name Red Tape came about because what we used to use Blue Tape to corner the canvas. So I'm like, Red Tape, just call it Red Tape. So I, I started a website, call it Red Tape Gallery. And because my whole idea behind it is that I wanted to do a series where I wanted to pay for 48 hours and created 48 paintings. Oh, wow. So I, cre I created Red Tape with the idea as pretending that as if a, another gallery was sponsoring me to do this. Yeah. But everybody found me out. I don't know how, but somehow, someway, they knew it was me that was doing it. So. Oh, so it was anonymous. Yeah. So you like, like it was me, but they didn't know I, I was the one behind the whole entire thing. They, oh. So for, for the most part, everybody thought it was another gallery sponsoring me to do it. Oh, okay. Uh, but so you're sponsoring yourself. I was sponsoring myself. So <laughs> I, I created the website. I built the whole campaign behind it and then painted for 48 hours and did create a 48 paintings. Wow. Um, and then in the midst of it, I think everybody figured out because I have a certain style, I guess, when it comes to web design. <laughs> so some of my friends started figuring it out and red tape, that's how red tape came, came about. Why did you decide, why did you say that somebody else was sponsoring you just to, just in case of myself? Like, no, it was, again, it was one of those fake it till you make it type, type, right. type deal. Yeah. But, but at the end of the day, I guess I didn't want to put too much pressure on myself because, right. uh, it, I, I, I don't. I just wanted to just make it seem like something. It's very theatrical too. Right, right, like so. very mysterious. Yeah, but it didn't last. I, before I even create the whole series started, mostly everybody that was around me knew was, I was the one doing it. And I didn't hide it anymore. But I was like, I, yeah, I'm creating this. And I'm challenging, I'm challenging myself because there's a lot of artists that I admired. That's amazing. But also did the research. I'm like, has anybody ever done this? <laughs> so. I figured I stay up anyways, because around that time I had really bad insomnia. So I'm like, I'm up regardless. So I might as well trying to create something and put it out there and see what happens. And the response were pretty amazing, actually. So that was the, the bath story of Red Tape. Red Tape. So we had that happen and I had the website for a while. Then when we came here, we started like playing around with names. Let's just keep it what it is. Let's just right. keep it Red Tape. Right. At the only end of Twitch, because Everybody loves Orlando for some odd reasons. Yeah. yeah. And then red tape makes me think of red tape, right. like disrupting right. and crossing over. Or being, being stopped because, especially when it comes to the art world, everybody feels as if that you, you have to stay at a certain level or the or what we do here as far as being a multidisciplinary studio that, for lack of a better word, we're, we're selling out. But it's not really selling out because there's an industry for what we do. I've learned to separate my personal work versus my commercial work. Mm -hmm. And some of my, my commercial work, I don't sign it. I don't put my name on it. It's just commercial work. They go in a hotel. Nobody really cares about what's in the hotel. But my personal work are in, in galleries. But again, I also have a different signature for my personal work. So 
uh, you have to learn to detach yourself. But it's not selling out because I have to feed my, myself and my family and the people that's around me. And there's, and there's a desire for your work. Right. There's a market for it. There's a market. That's, that's how everything's created. Pretty much. So why, how did you learn to separate the two? Was there a lesson? Was there a pivotal moment where like, I have to celebrate, like separate or to just come intuitively to you? Um, it was, it, I have different ways of working, um, especially at, uh, for, for what it's worth. Um, working at the other art consulting firm definitely helped me to separate the two because it was like, okay, we, me and the owner <laughs> at the time had a little back and forth a few times. Because he wanted my personal work mm. and I also knew that I didn't want my personal work to be commercialized. Mm. So it was, but at the same time, it's also separating it in the sense that he has ownership to the work that I created and I also have, so I had to find a way to, to separate it. And as well as for the commercial stuff, it's more abstract and just very colorful. My work is, my personal work is a little different. Mm. My personal work is somewhat political, but not really political because it's not in your face political, but it makes you think. It makes you go beyond just what's in front of you versus commercial <laughs> where it's colorful and it's pretty and it's, Hey, anybody would just put them in the house. Mm. So how would you, what's the, like a personal work that you're, you're, you're personally like resonating with a lot right now or gravitating towards that uh, is enjoyable? Cause you, what is it that you say going beyond the beauty that what? What was the first? You say it better than I do. What did I say? What did you say? Uh, uh, it's like the beauty is just the beginning. Right, beauty is, yeah, that my, my beauty is the beginning of the conversation. But it's also, I'll use this quote. I don't know how long I've been using this quote. As part of my email tagline, it's that art is the, is the only way of running away from home without leaving home. Something like that. So when you look at it, I think every time you look at a piece, you should find something new. Mm -hmm. And you should, again, it should take you out of the, your, your comfort zone and or maybe put you in a different mindset, whether it's uh, more of a calm mind, or mind space or head space, or whether it, it shakes you up a little bit and makes you question what's around you. So my, the work that I'm doing right now, probably since I was in school, I've always struggled trying to figure out my voice as an artist. And about a year and a half ago, it just clicked. Everything clicked. Because uh, even when I was in, like, again, doing all these gallery shows and so on and so forth, um, always like doubted myself when, when it comes to my work. I don't know if I'm getting, I'm saying way too much here, but a year ago, it just, everything just made sense. What I, I, I love that you're sharing this because I think so many people don't, and like we get to see the, like the fruits of labor and pain and sabotage and like a hundred no's to get one yes right. sort of thing. Right. And I was talking to somebody else. She's a creative responsible for all the creative at an agency. Right. And she said it was when she started to listen to her voice and just kind of right. trust in it. Right. She'd look at a piece of work and say, is this mediocre? Is this just too mainstream? Whatever it might be, the inner critic. And then as soon as she started to just trust within herself, that was a turning point for her. And it's great because if we get to be ourselves, then wow, like I get to be me. Right. <laughs> and it's successful. Right. So for you, what was, what was the shift? Since I, I'm very stubborn <laughs> and I don't like anybody telling me what to do. You can ask me, you can tell me something or ask me to do something and you, I'd like to just let me come around to it. Don't pester me. Don't tell me it would go over. So I've always had the same issue when I was in school. Cause it was like, okay, you have to do this work. I'm like, I, I know what I have to do. And I also 
work last minute in a, in the sense that I don't want to overthink the, the work. So I just let it happen. Cause I like, I have a, a whole, since I was, again, since I was a kid, like a whole organic way of creating stuff where I don't sketch my work. I don't know what I'm doing. I just go to the canvas and I just make it happen. So I, again, since I was in, since I was a kid, since I was in school, it was one of those things that I want to do things my way. And I don't, I, I think I just lost the whole entire thing here, but it was, I always wanted to do me for lack of a better word, because being part of the gallery world, growing up in the part of the whole, again, the, the, that institution, I've seen how you're, uh, heck with it. They're, you're basically a monkey. Everybody wants you to do what they want you to do, whether it's school, whether it's galleries, whether it's everybody wants you to create a certain way. So your, your own voice as an artist, we don't, we're losing that, right? It's the same thing, the apprenticeship, masters, we're, we're losing that because everybody wants to be a master now. Everybody wants to, because of social media, you could go to Michael's, you get a piece of canvas, you get paint, you scribble some stuff and put on social media, put a price tag on it. Next thing you know, you could end up in a high-end gallery. I was like, huh? So the, we're taking the schooling aspect. We're taking a whole lot of the, the educational, the, the learning aspect out of that. And that's also something that a lot of institutions, galleries are taking out of artists because an artist is not allowed to explore anymore. Because if you are, if we sit here, we appreciate Michelangelo, Dali, and, and, and then to just name a few, because they, they were creators, they were inventors, they pushed the boundary. But now as an artist, it's more so if you create pretty flowers for the next 40 years of your career, you just have to create pretty flowers because if you explore it, if you get out of that, it's the, the one word that I used to hear all the time is you're all over the place. You don't seem to have a, you don't know what you're doing. I'm like, I do know what I'm doing. I'm exploring. I'm learning myself as an artist. I'm pushing myself to create something that I would have never created before. And then that didn't translate into my work. Even the, my personal work right now has more of an abstract background feel to it because I was painting a lot of abstracts. So therefore there's layers that comes out of my work now versus saying, oh, I'm just going to do a solid background, figure, call it a day. It's all a learning process. So I think I've came to that conclusion. My, actually it was my sophomore year in college where I just didn't want to do what they were asking me to do anymore. And I was willing to fail because it was me. It was my voice. It wasn't like, Hey, stay in this box because school does put you in a little box. And then you come out, then the, the art world also put you in a little box. So I didn't want to fit in anybody's box and I don't think I fit in anybody's box. And it's interesting because when people, other people, those people, <laughs> there are some people who might say, oh my, like, I, I don't realize that artists get put into boxes right. and especially in the work that I do, I'm trying to give access to creativity to everyone in the sense of it's the ability to think differently as a habit, to do things differently as a habit. And so then that can be manifested on a canvas and right, right. could be the way that you, I don't know, repair something or the way that you tend to somebody. So I think there's a lot of audience that might not conceive the constraint right. that we all as humans are put under. And so how do you, like, how do you stay in that space of exploration versus being committed to 
hey, the last one was so good. Like, right. what about, what about this? What about, how, do you have a ritual? Is there anything that you've noticed that you do? I'm like, very does. Like, how does this work? <laughs> I think for the most part, it's, what's the saying? You are as good as your last piece of work or you're as good as your last. For me, there's a, I'm, there's a lot of failure that, again, most people don't even see. Or I actually probably put the failures out more than the actual pieces that I like. The pieces that I actually create that I love, I don't put them out. I actually keep them for myself. Is that right? Or I paint over them because uh, I don't believe that life is not perfect. My work shouldn't be perfect. So if my work cannot speak some kind of, I don't do it intentionally, but it's just one of those things that if it, you get more emotion out of it, the energy transfer of energy, if I'm doing something that I, if it's easy and if it's pretty, I destroy it because again, it's, it's not supposed to be that, but to, I don't know, it's an everyday word downtown. I have this giant. A window, which I feel like sometimes I'm in the fishbowl, it's more so just watching people. And then, because most of my work is figurative. So staying creative, it's, I do a lot of different things. If I can't paint, I would do graphics. If I can't do graphics, I'll do photography. If I can do photography, I'll dabble in film or I'll just sit and watch a couple movies, long movies that somehow, some way will spark something or music. I cannot stay in silence at all. I have to have music at all time. That's probably, if anything, one of my main thing that drives me, to be honest, like I love blues and classical music. So I'll put like a, a blues record on and somehow, some way a chord will hit and then this little thing will pop up. And from that, this idea, cause all my pieces for the most part start with one, uh, half of the time I don't, again, I don't even know what I'm painting. I'll put one thing down and that one thing goes into this whole entire piece. And then the piece will then create the narrative for itself. I don't, it sounds so, oh, I'm such an artist to say like that, but I don't really know what's happening. It's just the universe just let it happen, to be honest. I just know that's the thing that, that, that makes me. So I have to create, if I don't create, I don't, what's my purpose? And I've gone on vacation and if I'm not spending more than three days and I'm not doing something, I'm like, I'm, I need to, I need some kind, I need to draw, I need to do something because that's the. That's how I released my, I guess, everything back into the world. I don't know if that didn't make any sense, <laughs> but yeah, but it's, I have to create. It's, I think that's my sole purpose. Yep. And I love that you transfer the energy because one of the questions in my mind as I was getting ready was to ask you, what do you do when you get stuck? And it feels like you're just in constant movement. So if it's not going to be this medium, then it's going to be that medium, right. but it's right. all like on the same energy field. Right. So it just keeps, if this one starts to wane, then you can move over to the other one and then move over to the other one. Right. When I was talking to somebody and they said that like they cut hair, for example, and then they write, and then they'll start, then they'll start playing the guitar. And it's just this kind of almost like hopping, but they're not beating themselves up that like, why can't you write more? <laughs> yeah. And I feel so often that in the work, I was to speak for myself, that there are, there have been times where I'm like, why can't you just finish this proposal? Or why can't you just, you know what I'm saying? Instead of just going, okay, we'll put this down and let's move over here. But instead it's like, well, then the whole day disappears because right. of that one thing, that one blockade, but you just keep it yeah, going. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, because you are, you are your own roadblock, to be honest with you, because if. I use, this is more personal. If I have something that's going on in my life, that's bugging me, 
honesty, as much as I don't take naps, I was like, I'm just going to go take a nap. And if I wake up my, and, and then still, or still around, figure something else. Because my, my, the questions I ask myself is, can I solve it? And if I can't solve it, then solve it. If I can't, if I can't, then move on and find something else. Because then if I'm stuck on this one thing, then I'm, like you said, I'm letting the whole entire day go mm. by. I'm letting everything else pass me by when I can just be doing something else. Mm. And within that, I can find the answer that I need. So if I need to create a piece and I, I it, it's cause most of my pieces are people that's around me that I photographed that I've, so if I need to create something, I, again, I don't know what I'm about to photograph and then it might just spark something else. And then it creates this whole entire, like uh domino effect, whether it's for here or anywhere else. So. Right. Yeah. We talk about, um, I, I love food full okay, stop. Of course. <laughs> I was going to wear that t-shirt, but, <laughs> but, but anyone that knows me, I always use food metaphor, right. you know, it's collecting ingredients for your pantry, right. like with different experiences or being in different places, talking to different people. Right. And you never know when you're going to be like, oh, that makes me think of this, right. but this challenge or this moment. And so if you're always cooking with the same ingredients, then your food's going to taste the same. It's going to taste the same. So if you're just collecting ingredients for your pantry, right. then you're like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to use this um, thing it or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, that's like resonating and so you're just, you're always open. It also sounds like you're really present as well. Too. And it sounds like the work that you're putting, because your invitation is exploration, right? Like in that, that I can find something new in your piece that I haven't seen before. And so how do, is there... How do you create that in the piece? It's all an organic thing. I don't seek it. It's, I don't think we all have experiences. We all have in things that could hold us back. And I've gone through my share of, of nonsense, but I don't think, I don't let those things define me. Same way that Actually, I, I told somebody this the other day where I'm like, I've never put my personal self into my work. So it's always whatever happens in the midst of it. And people's like, oh, I feel like I know you. And I'm like, you don't really know me because I don't actively put myself into the work. However, there might be, if you put everything together, there, there might be little tidbits here that you probably could connect the dots eventually, but it probably would never tell you the full story. So it's, it's just then to be organic, then wherever is going on. In, in my head that at the moment, because again, I come up with some weird names for some of my pieces. Like one of my pieces that I had actually, it just left. The name of the piece was uh red solo cup with cranberry juice. Okay. And everybody's like, what is that? Why would you? And then again, the piece has nothing to describe the piece. It's a black and white painting and it has a young lady holding her hair up and it's her hair is curly and she just, she's holding it up. And then the, again, the name of the piece is red, um, 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 but what was it? Red solo. Red solo cup with cranberry juice. And, and again, I did a show at the gallery and everybody wanted to know why, but it's that we assume something. When you see somebody walking down the street with a red, red solo cup, you just assume they, they probably have liquor and they really probably have something else, but that's not what it is. That person probably just had picked up, I don't know, uh, watermelon juice or soda from the store and just mm -hmm. wanted to put in a red solo cup. So we just can't assume everything that we see because that was the whole judgeable by its color type thing and being out there, I say it, being black, there's a lot of assumption that comes with it. So that's where it, it wasn't about the piece. It was more about the name of the piece 
Mm-hmm. And then that creates that whole energy, that transfer, that conversation that didn't hopefully broaden and open up or educate somebody on something else. Mm. So that's how all of it. <laughs> so there's red tape. Right. And then there's girl with red soap. To look up with cranberry juice. With cranberry but but also <laughs> I feel like like there are certain assumptions right. that get to be challenged in and in a playful way too right. like a light touch right well like I said earlier it's it's saying something but without being offensive it, because then because most people or wouldn't think about it but then if you really start processing it it's saying a lot and it's defined it's basically not being defiant towards the the system but technically it is because we as a community certain things that we thought that we needed or certain institutions that we thought we need we don't need them anymore because of social media because now we have access to do it ourselves where again i have my studio also my gallery now if i wanted to do a show i could just take everything down and i do my own gallery show and invite and put the the funding behind promoting it and getting the collect my collectors that I've already have to come to my space versus begging a gallery to put me up and then okay and then take fifty percent of my work that I've created right. because that's just or in some aspect I did a show overseas where they took oh what was it like seventy three percent and again I was like yeah I made money and came back in the exchange in the U S I'm like oh I basically came back with less money now right it's uh, it's one of those again. They did they thing, which I can't say no to it because they also promoted it. They were like, we're doing this, that, and the other. But now we don't, we do, but we don't. So we have to challenge and red tape is, again, it's always the no, 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 no. And it's okay. I've already, I've had my share of no's and my share of yes. Now I have mine. And now it's also my way of giving back as well. Because um, within Red Tape, we also help other artists. We we do shows for other artists. And I also curate the, the cafe next door with the gallery. And I've also, have given a lot of artists their first glimpse of what a gallery show could be. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody didn't do it for me, I wouldn't be here. So essentially paying it forward. I, I noticed that you talked about the, the community right. on, on the site. Right. So I, I'm guessing that this is what you were inferring. Right. Very big as far as my community here, community of artists. And my hopes and dreams is basically we have this big funnel where we all can work together and support each other because um, artists, a lot of artists actually support other artists because if I go to a gallery show, chances are I'm end up buying a piece. Same thing with Chris, same thing with a lot of artists because we, we, we like, we support each other. And obviously you have your big collectors because we can't buy a $20,000 piece. But if it's some fair enough, I'm not like, yo. I have space in my house for it, but, but no, that to me, the community is very important to me because again, it's without it, we wouldn't have this. So when I first moved to Orlando, we didn't have an artist community and a, a group of us got together, created this collective and that collective actually, we just celebrate our 14th year showing in the gallery. Again, we didn't have that or we, we basically took to the street. We were on the street corner right there in Orange, mm-hmm. right in front of the plaza mm-hmm. from Wednesday through Saturday. And we'll just be painting live or selling art. And again, all of us went to school for, for, for art and we had our degree, but there wasn't that outlet for us. So we created that outlet. That outlet then created what we have here now. And that and it's outlet, growing. 
gave me my space, which is now giving back to, to, to other artists, hopefully to create something more because, but it's also finding ways to do it and not wait for somebody else to do it for you. Because, um, we all could sit here because what was it? I, I, I was having a conversation with somebody. I'm like, we, I've made my money. I could have, Hey, I'm taking my money. I'm leaving. Cause the whole stigma, Orlando's born, Orlando's is Orlando's that I got to go to New York, Miami. And I'm like, no, stay here. If you don't stay here, don't really good. So take, take that. And then we've got next door. And then we have next door, colorly places. Yeah. Good. Several ideas yeah. that translate to now storefront. She's going to take over the whole block. And I am hoping. I mean, <laughs> how is, how do people feel you're working with hotels, boutique right. hotels, architects? How does, how do people feel? How does that feel for you to work with them? How does it feel for them to work with you? What's the, uh, it's a symbiotic relationship. They, they get what they, they need from us. We get what we need from them. Right. They coexist in the same space. Right. And that work, as you said, more abstract. Right. I, I remember in our previous conversations, you're like, it's personal. It feels personal. Like when somebody, for example, goes into this boutique hotel room, right. they feel like, oh, like that's impacted me. And right. then they could come stay again and stay in a different room. It'll be right. different art. Right. I would try to create that. Like right now we're doing a project down in Miami. Uh, majority of the work is actually from Chris and I personal collection, actually. Oh. So it's not even the commercial work that we're showing. I guess we're somewhat changing it. But each, I think every 20 rooms, they're changing the collection. So again, you go, if you stay in this, this hotel, every time you stand, you could stand in a different room and the artwork is always different. But at the same time, you see the same name. <laughs> but because right now it's, it's not so cookie cutter anymore because back in the days it was like posters. You go, you could go stay in the same hotel and it's the same art or it or the, the what's the name of the thing not the chain hotels anyways so they use the same collections and you know they stay the same as this segment now I, what's happening is they're the shift is everybody wants to feel to make it so personal mm. and everybody wants it to make it feel like uh, like you walk into a gallery or to a museum or right. and curated yeah everything is yeah. curated mm -hmm. i'm okay with that because i have no issues yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're work together or because it gives us the opportunity to just showcase other artists as well but it's not just us it's because and then with that it's also we put a lot of the work out for other artists to work with us so we don't just keep everything in house and again a dream that it was red tape was supposed to be just be like chris and i little studio space or uh, home away from home yeah and it's grown to be something bigger than I just wanted a place to just sit and drink whiskey and date. Great place. <laughs> it's a really lovely place. How do you know who to work with, which are like artists to bring in and who not to bring in? And I guess that leads me to this other question, which is, I guess it's the same one. Have you had an experience which is defined? That's definitely a no right. for me. I didn't realize it was a no, but now I realize. That's basically when it comes to working with anybody, whether it's artists, whether it's some of the firms, like we can't, they, we do what we do because again, commercial work. We, but as far as artists, as far as, yeah, I'm just put on something. <laughs> as far as artists, uh, or anybody within, I, I go with my good family a lot, especially when it comes to people. But ego, it's because I can sit here and, I, and if I wanted to, I could have the biggest ego room. If I wanted to, I could just be sitting here and like, look at me and this, this and that. And I, I work with, I know a lot of artists in Orlando that have that. And I'm like, that's 
the downfall. And not, not even artists, business owners that have that. Because again, you, if you have an ego, when you go home, hey, let it out. Just be like, right now. But it's, it's not worth it when you're out and about, when you're out and about, because again, it's, you're not doing anything that nobody else can, you know? And I don't think, yes, I, I have my way of creating, but I'm not the best artist in the world. I'm not the greatest artist in the world. So I'm still learning. And, and again, as an artist, I have no stopping point. I have no ceiling because I think with people like, well, the sky's a ceiling. No, it's a universe. Fitty Colton. Because yeah. I have no ceiling. I can create. I could be literally be on my deathbed and I'm still creating. I, this is what I was born for, what I was made for. I don't know what my, what my parents made me, but anyways, that's all a different topic. And uh, if you come, I should have this written somewhere on the wall. So once you step in these doors, just leave your ego out the window. It, leave it outside because I don't need it. And no one else around here, we don't need, because we can't, we can't work together and uh, collaborate if your ego is bigger than mine. Or not even bigger than mine, but if you have a big ego and then we all have to, no, it's, it's, this is a collaborative, it's all, it's a mixed, it's a community collaboration. We all come together, we all build together and we figure out what's the best way for us to work together, to create. Right. Oh, just Chris, just pulling up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's great. So let me ask a couple more questions. So what are you looking forward to at the moment? I just saw the amazing mural that you're creating. Uh, huh? the, the, the the one that you just showed the banner for. The... Oh, yeah, for UCF. Yes, yes. And then I've just seen this amazing installation that you're creating with like infinity mirrors and cranes and whatnot. Right. So what are you, what are you like, mm, can't wait to get up or I'm not going to sleep till 6 a.m. today instead of 4.30 a.m. Uh, that's every day. That's, that's every day. That's every day. I, that's every day. <laughs> I, I, I actually have to tell myself to go to sleep half of the time because I'm like, I have to be at the studio at... 11, but show up at one o'clock. I was really impressed actually <laughs> that you were here. <laughs> I had five different alarm going. I had to get up early. So I, I, I got all my stuff done. I'm like, all right, I'm here. Do this. Yeah. <laughs> normally I'll probably, but it's the beauty of creating. We created the space for us to be able to do this, right? To be able to show up at one o'clock versus at eight o'clock. But as long as the work gets done. And at the same time, it's probably like a experimental thing, but it's also like the people that, the, the artists that we are working with us. Nobody has to be here at 8 a.m. because we don't need you to be here at 8 a.m. I'm here sometimes at 3 o'clock in the morning. And then I leave here and I go home and I'm still working. So the work doesn't stop. And, and, and it's just, I'm constantly creating with her in my head. I remember people like, I want to get in your head. You don't want to get in there because you'll get lost. <laughs> and it's, it's jumbled up because one idea... Wow, this idea is being formed. This idea is already rare. And then it's just, there's so many different aspects and different things that's, that goes in my head at once. It's, yeah. That's why I don't sketch my work. I probably write more like little, not even ideas. Like there's keywords that, will, that I think and I just write it down. And then those things, um, then later on I'll go and probably formulate something else. Do you enjoy poetry? I used to. Yeah, I felt like that in your writing. Oh, well. <laughs> no, but you have a, a way that you, you use your words, right. which is quite musical. So I was wondering if, if that was a thing. It was a thing back in the, I found all the notes that I used to send out to all the girls back in high school. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. I should start using some of these again. Why do you still have the notes that you gave them? Did they give it back to you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what, where some days, like, yeah, not you, but you might get that. Oh, 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 the memoirs. Okay. 
So that leads me to my next question, which is unrelated, but right. how do you, your, you know, fellow cow farmers, how do you complement one another? Because I imagine that there's an area of unison and I imagine that there's an area where you're really different to one another. That's my assumption. We're, yeah, we're different. Personality, work, but I think that's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Because we're so different, we balance each other. I don't think I'm, and I've known this man for way too long. He is, like I said, I think I've, I've said this before. He is like probably the, the sweetest, kindest person I've ever come across. He probably restored my faith in humanity, to be honest with you. But again, it's a balance. If I think if there's, if I'm lacking in something, he notice it without me even saying anything to him. And if he's lacking something and I, I notice it and that we just pick up and then we just make sure everything happens. I don't, I don't, I can't. I got lucky. I got lucky with, with this one. <laughs> How do you, what do you, I always say it's like superhero strengths, right? Or like your ocean's eleven or something like that. So what do you think when you're vibing together on a project, what is it that he's bringing in and what, what is, is it? Like, what's his magic? What's your magic? Can I, can I just adjust yeah. you for a sec? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Right. Yeah. Cause we want to catch what you're saying. Right, right. Wow. I don't think I've ever thought about it or that's it. Really good question. Oh, I guess what do people compliment him on? A lot of people compliment you on. Is it time for a coffee break? (laughs) I think I'll go back with this, the the no ego aspect. Right, right, right. We, the two of us, uh, since the day where we met and we started talking about art, he's amazingly talented. He's probably one of the few artists that I, that could look at a piece of work and dissect the whole entire thing for you. He also overthink a lot of his work, which that's when we'll come in. No, I'll come in and be like, hey, just let it go, dude. Just <laughs> let it go. But as far as like working together, there's no, hey, you did this better. And he did, it's, it's just like, yeah, you did, you did, you did, you, you did what you had to do. So it's, again, it's balance. It's comp, it's, it, we just compliment each other and, and we're not one person feel that we love each other. We just, it's, it's very beautiful. Actually, it's a beautiful relationship. It does sound like it. It's, you know, wish I could, my personal relationship. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This notion of like magical mirrors. I feel like good friends are, are magic mirrors for me in the sense of they, they can spot the magic right. and bring that to the forefront, which in a way brings me home to myself. Right. If, if I've ever, like I'm lost or something. Right. Right. You know, you gotta have those yeah. people arriving mm-hmm. because they're, they can see when you're up there, I need you to land. You need mm-hmm. to land. Come back to earth. You're, you're, you're at a 10. I need you to be at a five because that's when you're at your best. <laughs> right. A 10 is not really at your best. So you may think a, a 10 is your best, but a five is when you just knock it out. Yeah. All right. I've, I've said my final question a few times, but this is my final one. Oh, man, I'm having fun. Work for so, so what is, what is some, because we've talked about books before right. and I get the sense that, that you like to read. So what is something that you're reading right now? Either what is something that you're reading right now? They're like, everybody should read this or the, I invite everybody to read this. Or what is a book that you've read that, that really had a profound impact on you? And you're like, that is the one that I would gift to people or tell people to go get. I should just gift uh, Empire Strike Bike back to somebody yesterday. And I'm like, you should read this. He's like, I don't do stars. I'm like, just read the book. You don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to watch the movie. It was like, first of all. Who has Star Wars books? I'm like, I do. Because I have Star Wars, everything in my house. Oh, have you been to the hotel? Not yet, but yeah. I'm, I'm a Star Wars geek. So is Chris as well, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Profound book. 
besides like the Bible. No, I'm joking. I say profound puts a lot of weight, but like no. if something is like, hey, yeah, this made me think about things if, differently. If anything, it probably have to be since I've read this book so many times, HG Time Machine. Okay. And as well as it's pretty common, but it's nothing where you're like, hey, this is, um, what's his name? Definitely HG World Time Machine. Then there's the, I can't remember the name of the author, but it's the name of the book is Real Artists Don't, Don't, Real Artists Don't Starve. Okay. He wrote, he, I think it's only been probably like six to seven years since the book was released, published. What's his name? Can't think of his name, but it's a base of the art though. The book is the saying like. We, we live in this society and think that, oh, I have to be, and I used to be one of those people, even my name, my tag on IG for years was starving artist. But the, the, when you say starving artist, everybody was like, oh, you, you're not making a living as an artist. I'm like, no, my, the reason I'm, I call myself a starving artist is because I'm hungry to create. So I would do anything else to make sure that I feed myself so I can create. I'll work random jobs and then still go home, stay up sacrifice myself, my sleep, my relationship, so I can create the work that I've created, which then here we are. Because I have personal relationship, friendships. I'm like, I don't need to go out. I'd rather stay home and paint. I'd rather do this and that. And then, you know, at the time, because I remember even growing up, one of my friends, one of the things I remember, I was coming out of school, I had a stack of art books, my canvas, and I'm walking up to, to my house and all the guys that I used to play football with and baseball, they were like, you don't come out and play anymore. Dude, I, I'm in this tunnel, right? You're in the zone. And I was probably in 11th grade. And one of them was like, man, why give up this art stuff? Cause you're going to, he was like, you're not going to be making as an artist. You're going to be in the street corner on the side, be selling your art. And I'm like, okay, let it be. And now just recently he was like, dude, I've seen your work. Your work is amazing. And I'm like, thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> Bet you probably don't remember saying it, but those are the things that, that, that made me you know, push myself even more because that's what you think of what I'm doing here. The book is essentially saying that the, the whole premise of the book is, you know, that he takes an example from other great artists, rather, and not just art, well, creative, I would say, not artists, and show you the, the comparison versus their life and how much money they've made throughout their career where we probably like, oh, this person was just a poor starving artist. Like, no, they, they weren't then you don't have to starve in order to make it to be an artist. Mm -hmm. This little, the smallest little idea could give you an I had that whole entire book actually highlighted. <laughs> like this is good, and right. this is good, this and this is good. Is good. Yeah. Every single page, you there's something in there like, oh my God, this is just, I need this. So it's, I would definitely recommend reading that. I just can't remember the name. I will find it. Right. I will put it in the show notes. Right, because even with him, he was working at a company and he kept putting the book aside. He, he was, he wrote a, a, a previous book and he was like, no, that's not, he kept putting it aside, put it aside. And one day he quit his job and his wife was like, just, just go do it. And he did it. He wrote the book and it, just this amazing There it is. Piece. There it is. 40, 48 hours of creating. 48 hours. 48 pieces. Yes. And this was, you know? no, as far as I know. I actually, I was going to attempt to do it again and I scared myself off the second time. And I'm like, I don't think I could do this again because it was afterwards. I think for me, I was like, yeah, this was great. Then even afterwards thinking about it, I, I made myself sick <laughs> where I'm like, I'm just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start for a couple of days now. Right. Cause it, but it was one of those things that I had to test myself. I had to push myself to know that and cause I paint fairly fast. Like most of my paintings takes me about an hour to create and 
most people are like, all right, don't worry about it. No, I could do it, but, but can I really do it? Yeah. Cause you know, when you think of 48, you're going to stay up for 48 hours. You think right, I'm going to need, I'm going to need caffeine. I'm going to need this. I'm going to need that. So now I'm not even going to do caffeine. I'm just going to drink a lot of water and mm -hmm. just hydrated. stay hydrated and music. And I have videos because at one point I'm, I, I started losing. I'm like, my back is killing me and I'm losing all, I think by like hour 36, I'm like, I'm losing every kind of sense right now. And I wasn't making sense. And I was just laying on the floor. I have a, I have a thing with four rubber duckies. Yeah. And I, a friend of mine gave me the small, the tiniest rubber duck. I'm like, I'm playing around with it. I'm like, you want, anyways, I was just. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I streamed it live, well, I tried to stream it live and then for some reason somebody reported me because people didn't want me to do what I needed to do. I'm like, cool, but I'm still going to do it. So the whole thing was like somewhat live through on social media because of by the time we had Instagram stories. So every two seconds I was posting a, a new story so people could see the progression. Wow. But within that 48 hours, I also learned that I ruined a lot of pieces. Mm. But it was the beauty of it because I had one hour to create it move it aside. Yeah. So there was no time to even process what I was doing. And I didn't go, I didn't go in with any idea or any notion of, okay, this is what I'm painting. This is all the 48 paintings that I'm doing. I, it was just, let's go, let's do it. Let's see what, what happens. Some might be good. Some might be bad. And apparently the public didn't think that cause I sold all 48 of them with the exception of two. Chris has one. And then there's another one that I have. That was like the 48th painting that I painted. I kept that one. Yeah. So Chris actually had 47 and I have 48. Beautiful. So, yeah. So how can people get in touch with you? Hard to find. You know? <laughs> IG. You know, IG, <laughs> it's the last name, right? Because it, I should make my IG a little bit more, a little easier to find. But it's Mr. Garius, M-R underscore G-U-E-R-R-I-E-R. And then, or you can just Google Peterson Guerrier or Peterson Orlando artist, Guerrier, Derrier, Guerrier. That's how I remembered it. I was still going back to Gruyere. <laughs> Sandwich is like, like, just like, grrr, oh, stop. Peterson, grrr, you know, like, but that, that, that helped, that helped frame it. Well, listeners, once again, thank you so much for joining us. As always, it's such an honor to have you listen in. You can get a hold of Peterson at redtapeorlando.com or you can look him up on LinkedIn, Peterson Guerrier. I'll have his information in the show notes as I always do. And if you enjoyed this conversation or there were certain aspects of it that really resonated with you or sparked an idea, some sort of connection making, I would love, love, love to hear from you. So please don't hesitate. And also, if you're curious about getting or accessing or building the muscle memory for your mind to consistently think differently, so you can tap into new resources, new solutions, get ideas out the door effectively and quickly, then head over to hihalosura forward slash think differently as there is a treat there waiting for you. All right. Well, I am looking forward to the next time that you join and listen in. And we have so many really incredible guests joining the podcast, which I'm just, I'm really honored that we get to have these conversations and also just that I get to share them with you. So until next time, I am your host, Sarah Alnaby.